Okay, it seems Mugwena is uh, still um, uh, trying to be reached. Uh, there we go. His line is up now. Mugwena, thank you for joining us. Uh, thanks and good morning to your listeners and uh, thanks for the opportunity indeed. Well, in uh, the budget speech that was delivered to us, uh, it was said that the government's expenditure will reduce by about 264.9 billion over the next three years. And this is all thanks to public uh, servants' wages being frozen. Now, there are 1.2 million public servants and unions are demanding a 4% increase, despite the fact that uh, this um, freeze on uh, the public servants' wages or salaries could aid our crippled economy. What are your thoughts on this, Mugwen? Well, thanks for the question, indeed. Um, um, the, the, the budget problem, basically, it is that uh, maybe the Treasury and the government is not wanting to tell us the truth, that uh, uh, they have been able to give increases in the municipalities, which is also government, uh, in the SARS, which is also government, and uh, as well as the parliamentarian, which were about 6% when they were not able to give increases for the public service in 2020, but they were able to settle uh, those um, increases there. Um, and, and they thought it's important to do that. Um, so once we acknowledge as, as Labour that our country is really uh, indeed going through a very rough time and we need to be collectively looking for solutions, the problem is when you have uh, the government that pronounces on negotiations in the parliament before they engage us. And I think that's where the problem is. Because why is it that they cannot come to us and say, look, here is the problem, how we can resolve the problem. Then we are able to uh, come up with alternatives in there. So we are convinced that uh, we are just being um, the target uh, uh, of the IMF and the World Bank. And therefore the agents are treasury that is implementing that so basically we will forge ahead with our demand until such time that they are able uh, to uh, extricate themselves uh, from being governed by foreign agencies instead of the people of our country Hmm. now what are your other demands because it's clearly not just the four percent it seems that there's demands around um, um, increase in housing allowance and also the abolition of uh, pay scale one to three and uh, making sure that all public servants be employed on entry level four um, are there other demands yes. and do you feel yes. that they are feasible yeah, there are other demands that really are feasible. Apart from the 2,500 that we are, we, are, we are demanding as part of housing alone, we are saying implement the government employee housing scheme because then it is not going to demand money from the government, but the money will come from the pension fund that belongs to the workers. But because of corruption, we reached a collective agreement and it was never implemented. Instead, the money was given to one private institution that was giving loans and uh, then the money got lost. And whereas we said we needed to do that. The other, the other issues really is that you cannot have a cleaner employed in the Department of Health at level five and another cleaner is employed at public works estate at the level two. You need to determine one and once and for all an entry level of any other person at those particular lower ranks so that you don't have disparities that cause demoralization. The other issue is that there's a lot of abuse in terms of suspension. So we need to have a framework that will then be able to say how long a person has to remain on suspension. Some of the people are suspended for political reasons rather than to be issues of conduct. 
So if there's a conduct issue, deal with the discipline and then be able to get over because there's a lot of money that is being spent on this high-level suspension of people uh, that are never going to be brought to books and then pay millions and those millions are supposed to be saving the people for our country. Uh, we're also saying it's very critical for us to learn from COVID because uh, there is now work at home and work in the offices and then how we can then deal with a framework that will also bring in issues of uh, um, risk allowances, uh, especially for those people who cannot see their families, even if uh, they are working around, they cannot go home because they don't want to infect their children or their, their family members who are elderly and therefore they end up having to hire or leave places where they then are, are living. So they have got double lives, uh, which is very expensive, and therefore an allowance will then deal with it. The rest are the implementation of what we have already signed for in terms of almost five to six collective agreements that have not been implemented with ranging from just research, an issue of researching, the issue of government coming to us and says these are the positions that cannot be filled because they are not essential. These are the positions that must be filled because they require scarce skills. And so these are some of the things that are feasible and they can be done. It's just a question of there is a high level of deliberate bureaucratic inefficiency in our government. We are talking uh, to uh, Mugwena and he is the Satu General um, Secretary around the 4% salary increase amongst other demands that the unions are doing across the board and uh, this is for the public sector uh, servants. I'd like to hear from you. If you're a public servant and you're listening right now, what are your thoughts? But also from the general uh, South African public, do you feel that after we've heard the tabling out of the budget speech and what the unions are demanding, do you feel is it's feasible um, with where our economy is currently sitting? Please call in on 011-714-2006 or you can SMS on 41391. Uh, Mugwena, in terms of um, the 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 approach that some of the unions have taken to go to the constitutional court uh, for the matter of the government's not agreeing to resolution one of 2008, which was to increase wages. Um, do you feel that the constitutional court will view this in your favor? And if it doesn't happen that way, what are the consequences? Well, I must just take a little bit of a few minutes of explaining exactly that a dispute of right is very difficult <laughs> to deal with it. Because one, it is that you are restricted not to embark on a strike because you've already established a right, and therefore only uh, structures like your arbitration or the court can then adjudicate on that matter. And hence, the 2018 resolution, one of 2018, is now subjected there. Should the constitutional court not be able or should should not rule in our favor it would mean that that is the end uh, of the of the battle therefore that in terms of the law and therefore it means it has set in a precedent that is going to be very detrimental for collective bargaining not only in the public service but also in the private sector where basically employers can then walk away from collective agreement on the basis that now they have got an authority which is the constitutional court we however believe that the constitutional court has always come to a different approach from the other law courts lower courts because it is more interested in long-term constitutional implication should this thing go on like okay fine we sign an agreement and you just walk out of the agreement what are the consequences in terms of uh, trust 
that you need? What are the consequences in terms of uh, the services that the people are rendering if they were to be disrupted and so forth? Uh, the people may suffer. So the constitutional court normally looks at broader issues, and we're hoping that uh, they will be able to say to us, maybe this collective argument is legal, the issue is, is lawful and uh, is enforceable. However, there's no money. You guys go and agree how much are you able to implement this particular collective argument rather than to just um, take it out of the table and therefore leave us with nothing in our hands. It's very, very um, scary uh, to say it because it means we will not have freedom of association in this country. Let me go to an Atima Erwin who's in Mbombela. Good morning. Morning, how are you? Good, thank you. Awesome. Mine is twofold. First is affordability. Uh, second one is ROI, return on investment. When you look at uh, South Africa's economy, uh, the government in general, when you look at where does it get its income from, that uh, I mean, that port is shrinking now. People are losing jobs left, right, and center. And then the second one, the return on investment, the government employees, come on. They are not the best employees ever in the world. Even Mukwena uh, Maluleke himself, he has been with uh, Satu since time immemorial. Uh, you, I, I can bet uh, my bottom dollar that his children, if he has any, they are not going to be taught by Satu. They go to a private school or the formerly uh, Model C schools. So the guys in government, the money that they are getting now, they don't deserve it at all. They have to, it has to be chopped, in fact, by a third at least. They don't deserve it. Thank you. Thank you very much, Erwin. Uh, let me allow Mogwena to, to weigh in on that one. Erwin <laughs> <laughs> is adamant that it should be chopped. Don't ask for more. Well, unfortunately, that, that's what you would expect in South Africa, that uh, when the frontline workers like uh, nurses and doctors uh, were facing the pandemic, the very same people who there's no return of investment were running to hospitals and we were there for them. Same people. Some of them were saying, close the schools uh, right off this particular academic year. We insisted as the people that know the importance of education and how we have to build our economy to then say, look, if we give us uh, the safety measures in our schools, we can teach our children how to make sure that we are able to defeat this particular uh, pandemic and we're able to produce the results. And the people last week have already forgotten this week that last week they were celebrating the results of the same people that are not giving the country return of investment. Now, the problem is, 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 is an attitude, is an issue of trust in the country. We will deal with this thing at a particular point in time. However, the public servants deserve to be treated like any other professional, like any other worker, and be given a decent wages. For example, they don't qualify for NAFSAs. So when they take their children to universities, they've got to pay out of their own money because they are government employees and therefore they don't qualify. They don't qualify for mortgage bonds because they've got only 1,300 as a subsidy as compared to any other person working outside would be having about 8,000 to 9,000 housing subsidy compared to 1,300. So... Let's give the the, the, the the credit where it's due. Nobody was to stand 
and really help anybody in terms of the COVID. It were the nurses, it were the cleaners, it were the doctors and everybody in our hospital. And nobody was going to teach the children. We're told that these children must go back to school. They are here at home. We're not able to do anything. And we appreciate that. that we're saying it is for the first time in our country, our parents and the public is able to recognize that the teachers are trained to teach and therefore to be um, blackmailing the teachers on where their children are schooling and so forth is one of those things that we got used to it uh, and so forth for many, many years. Uh, you know, ministers don't want their children to school in public schools when our, our children are schooling in public schools. So it's a debate that when we're building social cohesion, let's separate them from what are the wages and what are the conditions of services? In an ideal world, Mugrena, it would be beautiful if we were always giving credit where it's due and also uh, giving uh, the, the, the correct financial remuneration. But uh, right now, in the current climate that we are facing, let's be honest, in many other sectors, uh, private sectors especially, people have lost jobs. Others are sitting in a place where their salaries have been cut due to COVID-19. So, you know, we, we need to also, as much as we, we appreciate the work done by public servants, we need to also appreciate the fact that the climate is totally different. I must say to you, the public servants are the people who also appreciate and they share the same sentiments that you're sharing and that's why they are saying, let's go and negotiate. And then when you say 4% above inflation is an opening demand, it does not mean that you're going to stand there and say, you give me this 4%, I'm not going to engage with you. That is not negotiation, it's bargaining. That's why you have got a lot of demands that you put there so that you are then able to make a trade-off understanding that you are saving the interest of the people of South Africa and also understanding that if you allow a situation where the wages were not to be adjusted, like in 2020 they were not adjusted, if they're not going to be adjusted here, the very same public is going to suffer because the people who at least have been able to make sure that the economy runs were the public servants because their salaries were not cut, because they were able to spend, and then that particular consumption was able to help some of the small businesses to begin to come back and be able to employ one or two people and so forth because we were spending. And if all of us were not to spend, there will be no economy. And and I think that's a problem where people talk about the return of investment always do not understand some of these particular things that they have got serious implication. If you think that the public servants are not paying taxes, uh, you're making a big mistake. We're paying heavy taxes as well. And so that those particular taxes can be used for a hospital, can be used for education, and many other services that you and I need. So we are very sensitive, we are very reasonable, and we are always wanting to engage our employer. But the problem is the employer that engages us in parliament. We are not sitting in parliament. Come to us, talk to us. We go back to our members. We explain to them their situation. And members are always giving us compromises wherever is necessary. Let me go to uh, Felix, who's in Nelspreet. Good morning, Felix. Good morning. Thank you so much for taking my call. Yes, I, I am just very worried about the previous agreement because to me that is the crux of the matter. Now, how can you make an agreement that I'm going to pay you so so a month and now you walk away from that? Because that is where the real issue is. It's not about future agreements because even you can walk away, if you can walk away from a past agreement, you can also walk away from a future agreement. There is no way the union should continue to negotiate with government. If they cannot solve the previous agreement. Because what is the point of having a 
another agreement if only tomorrow they are going to walk away from it. And so that is concerning. If a woman is pregnant, he must deliver that baby first before we make her pregnant again. So it's not, it doesn't make sense at all to continue to negotiate with government if we have not yet resolved the previous agreement. Thank you very much, Felix. Um, uh, let's, let me give uh, Mugwena um, an opportunity to just weigh in there before we go to the news. Thanks, thanks so much. Um, look, <laughs> let's not compare pregnancy women with uh, collective agreements because we might end up uh, undermining the role that women play in, in, in life. Uh, it's a very important thing, so I wouldn't want to equate it to an issue of a collective agreement which uh, um, can always be honoured or not be honoured. Um, the issue here is that we must not compla- conflate the two. A signed collective agreement was for a multi-term and it ended 2031st. It's going to end 31st of March. Now, 1st of April 2021 is a new season of negotiation and therefore we should avoid a situation where we would want to make a condition of whether we negotiate or negotiate on the basis of something that is in the court, uh, because we don't know what the court is going to uh, decide on that particular issue. But at the same time, it is that when it's time for negotiation, it's time for negotiation, whatever we come up with it, we will then be able to again go to the court and say, enforce this thing if government renacts uh, from this particular collective agreement. So we must not lose hope, because at the end of the day, we are saving the people, we are saving the public, we are rendering essential and critical services we must always be clear about what is it that we want and how we can be able to assist each other so yeah Mugwena, um, let's continue with our conversations after the um, news headlines with Utsile Sako hashtag SFM talking point coming up uh, in uh Midday update at noon with Sakina Kamwendo. She's going to be talking about something quite sensitive. A 60 year old um, who's in the Val and is a pensioner says her son has been raping her on several occasions at a shack where they both stay. This is going to be one that is going to really be sensitive. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that discussion on update at noon. She'll also be uh, talking about uh, journalist and broadcaster Kareem Brown who died today and succumbed due to COVID-19. Right now, we are continuing with the discussion that we are having with Mugwena Maluleke, who is a Satu General Secretary, around the demands of an increase for public servants, a 4% increase across the board, amongst other demands. Let me go to Jay, who's on the line. Good morning, Jay. Good morning to you. I think this is the first time I'm speaking in the morning to you. Normally, I get you in the at night. Yes, how are you doing? <laughs> good, good. Excellent. Uh, Patricia, maybe uh, you, uh, you'll feel that I'm diverting a little bit. Uh, yes, our tax money. Our tax money was supposed to rebound back. When I say rebound, it's supposed to be utilized for the public use. But with all the defrauding and criminal, criminal activities, I just heard a um, uh, a remark or comment made somewhere along the line uh, so many millions was lost okay lost how okay that's one point the other point that I heard on the news was 28 million rand uh, was invested in land somewhere in USA and uh, there's no land uh, that was purchased. What has happened to all that? Money? What is happening to our taxpayers' money? 
you know, I, uh, the people that are sitting right up there, you and I are paying the salary. Are they really utilizing it for the community? The upliftment of education, medical, and housing. With land invasion, the housing department is really, really capitalizing because now they are relieved of building homes, well-structured homes. Right. Now, what about subsidizing those people to even further better the roads, their byways and highways and water and electricity, putting in more schools in the area instead of allowing children to travel from half past five in the morning to school and return home at half past four, five o'clock in the evening. Mm. Subsidize their transport for them. Right. There's so many issues that I want to bring up, Patricia. And where are my counterparts, my female counterparts, they're supposed to come on air because we are the ones that bring up the children, discipline them, and bear them. We should be given more voice and heard and taken very seriously. Thank it you very much, Jay. Thank you. I, and I, I, we really take your points into consideration. A lot of things that, that need uh, an eye look. Um, there's uh, some SMSs here, and this one says... Uh, Morning, Patricia. I'm a public servant. The bulk of the money goes to the higher levels who are not doing the work. The money was looted big time. Um, Your foot soldiers are the ones who do the work. Medical aid is going. Petrol and electricity all going up. The thing is, this, these politicians, they think they own us. That is the problem with all people who are in charge. The unions, they are too soft for the government, I think. Best solution is to go to the street and close all the highways like the truck drivers did. Let me go to a voice note. Uh, good morning, my sister and uh SAFM listeners, in Pretoria. On this uh, wage, public wage increase negotiations, can you please ask the guy that you're interviewing now, what makes them think that they will win this time if they failed to force the government on the last leg of the increment agreement of uh, the past three years, the one that was supposed to be implemented last year. They failed on that one. What makes them think that they will win on this? current negotiations. Thanks. Please ask for him. All right, uh, Mugwena, please uh, just respond to some of the messages that we've received. And uh, and also, in, 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 in your response, uh, please also let us know what are the unions planning to do should their demands not be met? Okay, thanks, thanks so much, Patricia. Um, first uh, is that I think there's a confusion between the signed agreement which has been established, the rights, which I have tried to explain, but once you have established the right, the only way to deal with it is to take it to arbitration. And then, therefore, the law does not allow you to exercise two options. You can't, you can't have your cake and eat it. And I think uh, uh, the, the, the workers must, must also understand that it's not that because we have failed. We didn't fail. It's that we have taken the matter uh, to court and then the court ruled against us. And then we're still at court. And then I'll leave it at that because I think the unions will have a huge responsibility to really differentiate between a mutual interest and an and, and, and interest of rights. We are dealing with a mutual of interest now. That is what we have tabled. And what we have tabled 
is that if we are not able to find each other after we shall have been able to go to and fro in terms of engagement, in terms of even including conciliation or facilitation, because we do everything we can to ensure that we can avert any possible disruption of services that are very critical and essential to the people of our country because we are very responsible uh, uh, unions and union leaders in this country. So should we not be able to uh, arrive at where we think that our members have compromised and the government is on strike, we respond by a strike. We will though go for a conciliation, and that particular conciliation will grant us a certificate, and that certificate will say there's non-resolution of our dispute, and therefore we will then embark on a strike as a deadlock-breaking mechanism. So it, the strike will only be used as a last resort because... At, at the end of the day, it is that you would want to have a collective agreement where workers themselves are able to benefit in terms of the improvement of their condition of services. It's not just about what I hear, why don't they go to the street? You can go to the street, but at the end of the day, it is that you still have to come back. So use the street as the power. Don't use the street just for the sake of using the street. The street is our power. That's where we will go and exercise our power. And in terms of the lady, Jay, uh, that's why one of our demands was saying we need uh, child care facilities because we want to improve the productivity of our members because uh, given the fact that we're living in changing an environment and those who work at home, it's fine, those who work at the offices, it's time that we do what other developed and uh, high-functioning countries are doing, provide the workers with child care facilities so that people are not worried about what's going to happen at home. There's violence against girls and uh, uh, in our country. So if I know that my child is safe where I am working in terms of uh, a crutch or a nursery that is closer to where I am working, I am able to be able to be concentrating and be able to give the people of our country you know, you know, services that they deserve because for a very long time, the government has not been looking after our people except looking after themselves in terms of the money that they have looted, as he says. And that is one of our demands, that we want to make sure that we go to Beachwood 3, where we will meet with our government and say, how do we make sure that we stop corruption in, in the department? Bureaucratization is there, Patricia. Our government has moved away from uh, looking after those who are interfacing with the problems on a daily basis, like the police who has got to deal with criminals on the street and then, then you know, bureaucratize the, the department. Education the same way. They bureaucratize. I give an example with one of the provinces in Northern Cape. It had only one DDG, not the DG, one DDG, two chief directors. They were number two in terms of the results. Now they have got almost 14 directors. They have got DDGs. They've got everything. And then they're number last in terms of the results. So because the services have been moved away from the schools to service high salaries and high-ranking officials. So bureaucratization in our country is a matter that we must address. Thank you very much uh, for joining us uh, this morning, Mugwena Amaluleke. And uh, we'll be closely watching um, the, 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 the story as it unfolds and uh, find out what the government and the unions are going to come up with as an agreement.